Hello and welcome to another episode of the Battleborn Lease Podcast. This is episode number two. I am your host, Bryson. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Bryson? I'm doing good. You know, with uh, three preseason games so far, the Leafs are currently 2-1. and one. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the preseason here in just a few moments, but um, yeah, definitely a good start so far. And um, it just, you know, preseason, you don't know what, exactly what you're going to expect. It's sloppy hockey at times, but of course, there's also some bright spots to take away from it. But we will start things off from the first game uh, that came on uh, September 25th. It was the very first preseason game that we were lucky enough to be at. The first game back at Scotiabank Arena with fans. Uh, definitely a good moment as well, other than the actual game, just to see the atmosphere back uh, to the way it you know, somewhat usually is, even though the building was half full. So it was definitely a good start. The Leafs went 4-1. to one. And uh, to start things off right away, uh, what, what were your thoughts on that game in particular as we're going to move from each game so far uh, in this preseason? Um, I think that was a fantastic showing by the Leafs in their first game back. Uh, what a moment that was seeing John Tavares back on the ice. Uh, he actually got a goal in this one uh, midway through the second, which was nice to see, you know, on the power play from uh, Willie Stiles and Sandine. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Like, the whole team, I know this was a lot of uh, non-NHL regulars in the lineup too. Montreal did have their, you know, they had a good group of players there. Suzuki, Caulfield, Toffoli, all those guys were playing in. Toronto somehow managed to actually hold Montreal to 11 shots through two periods. And I know me and you were at the game talking about this. Hutchinson was in goal, and he didn't get tested a lot. We were curious to see how Hutch was going to play. But 11 shots, that to me was impressive for a Leafs team that, you know, they usually struggle with that defensive side of the game. But it's nice to see that they kept them to 11 shots. Um, it was a 4-1 win, very convincing. Unfortunately, Ian Scott, after just playing for five minutes, making a, a beautiful save on Cole Caulfield, uh, backdoor, got injured. I, we, me and you didn't really see what happened. He was kind of a, you know, a hamstring growing kind of thing. He left right away. We didn't even think it was an injury because he ran off the ice on his own power. We thought it was uh, an equipment malfunction, but nope. So, uh, Keith confirmed he's going to miss some time and, uh, I was just, I'll take that result any day of the week if they do this in the regular season. It definitely was. And uh, like we were mentioning, lots of good takeaways. And yeah, the John Tavares thing was definitely good to see. Uh, for finally back in action after his, his incident last year, and of course, happened on the same ice. So uh, who knows how he felt. But the one takeaway that I think we were fine with, no matter what the performance was or no matter what the stats showed, uh, was that he was okay. And it, it appeared that he was. He definitely did, did score a goal. Of course, Jake Muzzin was the one who opened the scoring as well. And um, one of your highlights this season, or I guess going back to last week to look out for this season, Michael Bunting. He scores, and he, I know he had also had a really good game uh, this past Wednesday, which we'll talk in a little bit about. But we're f- focusing more on game one, and um, I guess you want to get into Bunting a little bit before we get into the hat trick. I mean, I thought Bunting was fast. I thought he looked really good out there, no matter his situation or not. I know you were a really big fan of him. And, of course, another new guy, Curtis Gabriel, scores as well. So, you know, a couple new faces scoring some goals and definitely some good takeaways um, from the veterans as well. And, yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of a disappointment for me was definitely not getting to see Ian Scott a little bit more. Unfortunately, we don't know what the injury was. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be out for a little bit of time. But uh, he came in for about not even, like, I think it was like four minutes. I think it was less than five minutes. He came in and Michael Hutchinson went back in that. So you kind of understand what you're going to get out of Michael Hutchinson. And uh, that's why I was definitely looking forward to looking, um, you know, looking at Scott a little bit more than what we did. So definitely a good start there. And um, I guess I'll give you the floor with Michael Bunting because you did tell us to be on the lookout for him this season. The greasy rat did exactly what I told you all he was going to do. Uh, underrated signing. Um, fantastic player I watched in Arizona. Um, he's a player that does well in small areas. Uh, that's why, I don't know if you guys were watching when he got that hat trick, uh, they called his nickname, the greasy rat is now officially born all over the all Leafs nation after his headset interview was interrupted. Uh, so, you know, it's that there's a reason behind why he's called the greasy rat. He's tough to mark. He's chippy. You see in all the games he's played so far, the two, uh, He's been causing issues with the other teams, you know, causing some stir-ups in front of the net. And he's a really tough player to get control of because you lose him for a second. And then even if he doesn't have that grade A opportunity, he finds a way to tip that puck right behind you. And that has proven uh, to cost teams 
largely uh, in games that he's played. Uh, definitely is. And um, Michael Bunting, again, a good week for him overall. And he's definitely making his case to uh, – even though I guess even entering the preseason, he was almost a lock. But I think uh, these past couple performances have definitely kind of solidified that. And of course, lots of roster moves or lots of uh, spots available th- available throughout the rest of the preseason. So good for Michael Bunting, Bunting for taking advantage of that. And um, I guess that's when we kind of move towards the second game of the preseason, which came on the Monday, uh, where for the first time this season, the Leafs visited Montreal. And we all know um, that, well, that was obviously game two after taking on game one in Toronto. You go back to Montreal and uh, you lose 5-2. So I'm not sure how many takeaways you have from that. I know David Camp scored as well, his first of the preseason, and Andre Kasha scored for his first of the preseason as well. And um, uh, for the, for those, I think for veterans, Morgan Riley and Travis Dermott get assists there, but definitely not the greatest performance overall. So, I mean, you know, what, what did you think of that game in particular as well? There was a lot of things that happened, I think, in that game. Obviously, another sloppy kind of hockey from the team. And that's, this was the first time, too, this preseason. You got to look at the kind of the dynamic duo between Peter Morazic and Jack Campbell. They both split time. Uh, I think they pretty much split it even. Peter Morazic and him both uh, averaging just under 30 minutes uh, in the game. So they definitely split time. And, um, you know, Peter Morazic was solid, I think, from what we saw as well. And uh, Jack Campbell, not as solid, but definitely preseason as well. So there's just the first taste you got of the goalie tandem. And any other takeaways you had from that second game? Um, right from the get-go, I'm going to say that I didn't like the Dermott and Riley pairing that much in this game. Interesting. Uh, right from the start, if you go back and rewatch that game, uh, they actually got picked right down the middle, and it would have been a breakaway for Josh Anderson. Unfortunately, he was just a couple feet offside, uh, so they got a break there. Um, also, Montreal's power play goal, the nice nifty one that they made the least penalty kill look silly. Uh, Morgan Riley and Dermott were both on for that. Um, I didn't think that that was you know properly executed at all if you do that against a half Habs power play unit that was out there imagine what's going to happen when you play the best power plays in, in uh, the league like Tampa Bay's and Boston's they're going to eat that alive especially Kucherov and Stamkos and Pasternak and Marchand so that needs to get tidied up I know it's preseason hockey it's that was Riley and Dermott's first preseason action so you know work off some rust I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there but I loved David Camp's performances in the two games we've seen him in now. Um, and actually, he's gotten he's earned the respect of the organization, I think. Um, they, they, Sheldon Keefe came out and said that he is completely comfortable with playing David Camp against the NHL's best players. And I, I think that's, this is what the Leafs have been missing for a long time now. Um, I haven't been comfortable playing any center uh, behind Matthews uh, and Tavares against guys like Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron, and those kind of guys. So having a guy like David Camp, who is familiar with this role with Chicago, like I spoke about last week, um, he's also provided a little bit of offense. You know, he's got lucky with his goals, um, especially the one against Montreal. That was a gift from uh, the young Montreal goaltender. But honestly, this game was definitely one that you want to like completely forget about, even though it's preseason. But Kasha did get on the board, which I was happy to see. It's another guy I have a lot of... Uh, interest in this year i'm really hoping because when that guy stays healthy and that's his problem is he can't stay healthy but when he stays healthy he's a great player so i hope he rebounds uh big time this season i love the way he plays um dermot i'm gonna speak about dermot now um i feel like this is kind of his i think you can agree here his this is his season to either show the organization that he is meant to be a leaf or they're going to send him somewhere where he can find a job uh, otherwise in the NHL because the Leafs are obviously loaded on the left side compared to the right side. Um, and unfortunately, Sandine and Dermott are both left-handed and they are forced to play one on the, the off wing, which they did with Dermott in this game. And um, I know it takes time to get used to. Usually veterans are better at doing this um, because – you know, they have more experience and whatever you're playing on your off wing, you get reps, right? That's all what uh, pro sports is about, reps and perfecting your craft. So I can't be too hard on Dermot. This was, you know, he's not a full-time right-handed uh, side defenseman. Uh, so, I mean, you got to give him some credit there. But I still didn't think his game was NHL worthy to play against uh, other teams' top sixes. I think maybe that's justifiable if he plays against you know fourth lines and protected minutes but 
I think he could get exposed very easily if uh, the Leafs don't give him some more preseason action on the right side because playing with Sandine, um, that's a drop-off for Morgan Riley. Uh, you can ask anybody that. So if he's struggling with Morgan Riley, trusting Sandine back there uh, with Thurman on the right side, that's that's going to make me nervous uh, heading into the first week. What about you? Yeah, it just for me, it almost feels like the best thing that could have happened with Travis Dermott was him getting picked by Seattle in the expansion draft. I mean... I just feel like it would have been a lot better for his career. And I think in this market in particular, and just with this organization, he's never really gotten over that hump. So there's definitely a lot of concerns there. Um, a lot of ups and downs, kind of risks that you're going to take with him or not. So I completely agree with you on that point. And yeah, definitely uh, something that you kind of take note of. That was his preseason debut, uh, along with other veterans on the team. And uh, a newcomer, Nick Ritchie, also makes his debut. Wayne Simmons makes his debut as well. So both of them uh, got some action. I think Nick Ritchie actually got into a fight. He played just... Uh, under 15 minutes of ice and of course um, when you look at it as well with Nick Ritchie he's currently slotted in on that top line still in practice with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and we all know that uh, Wayne Simmons and David Camp for right now on the fourth line and uh, Andre Kasha right now lined up to be that third line right winger so we'll see what happens with that and all of them right now definitely playing themselves into full-time roles on this team and um, I wanted to ask you one more thing before we move over to game three and I didn't really notice it as much, but a lot of people were talking about this. I don't even know how much you really noticed it, but it was Mitch Marner. And um, so Mitch Marner makes his preseason debut as well. The problem or the thing that people are talking about was his ice time. People are unhappy or some people were unhappy with the fact that he played 20 minutes in a preseason game. Were you aware of this? And if you were, are you? do you think superstars like him should be playing that much in a preseason game? Uh, yeah, it was pretty evident if you watched the game. Uh, Marner was on the ice quite a lot for a preseason game and uh, am I a fan of it I th- I'm more on the side yes because the Leafs were trailing in this one right and um, obviously they had a couple like you said Simmons in the lineup they had a few of these guys you know veterans that are going to be playing on opening night and they were trailing by two goals here and there and what I think kind of the like reason behind this was to show and build off of this if they did come back, right? Like, to show that they this team, no matter if they're down a couple goals, like, they have the caliber to come back and to compete in any kind of game. So I think uh, by playing Marner these kind of minutes, um, I think it'll also help him because I think he's a player that gets in his head a little bit too much. Like, he gets in his own head. He's his own villain. Um, so I feel like by him showing, you know, getting some reps in the preseason and getting that ice time, that he's going to be used to for the regular season. I think that this actually could help them in the long run. Uh, unfortunately, the Leafs couldn't come back in this one. Uh, they took the loss, but Marner, I'm okay with playing that kind of minutes. Uh, I think he's going to have a big role this year, especially with uh, Matthews' uh, questionability for opening night. Um, so this is a big year for Mitch, and I'm betting that Mitch will come through, and I've told you that before. I think this year Mitch Marner is going to have a very productive season. So giving Mitch those 20 minutes, am I going to be crazy about it? No. Uh, Am I okay with it? Sure. He seems okay. Nothing happened. Um, But I'm just happy he got some ice time in and definitely hope that, uh, you know, he keeps this going moving forward because I think he had a pretty good game overall playing with his unusual line mates. He did overall, and that's why some people just, you know, a lot of people were just wondering – for the amount of ice time he played in a preseason game. But yeah, that's definitely interesting uh, that you kind of see it from the other way around, and that kind of further leads us into Wednesday's game where the Leafs go to Ottawa for the first time this year as well, and they take care of business there. They shut them out 4 nothing. And I mentioned it earlier with Michael Bunting, so I'm not going to go over it again, even though he did score the hat-trick. Definitely the highlight, of course, Andre Kasha again with an assist. But the one thing or the one player that stood out to me, other than Bunting, obviously, was Josh Hosang. Three assists, uh, three points, pretty much fighting for a contract on a PTO. I think that's definitely a highlight that I have from this. And um, a couple other points that I have was, first of all, Nicholas Robertson. I mean, he comes into another game, second game of the preseason, and um, all zeros from him again. That's a little bit of a concern for me, just because I feel like Nick Robertson needs to make this club uh, for opening night. Regardless if he's a regular on the fourth line or if he's going in and out, he needs to be on this roster, and the fact that he's putting up zeros, even though it's preseason, uh, it just, for me, um, a little bit of something that you're going to have to keep, kind of just pay attention with. And, of course, another guy on a PTO is Nikita Gusev, who has an assist as well. So a lot of ups and uh, some downs, or not even downs, but just some things that you're definitely highlighting and kind of 
keeping note of for me. And I know M- Michael Hutchinson again and Peter Morazic were the ones, uh, or it was more Peter Morazic actually. He got the entire game. Who pretty much played the entire game. Uh, he did well for sure. He got the shutout. So that's definitely good to see from him. And uh, this game felt a lot like the first game in uh, against Montreal and in, uh, in in Toronto last weekend. It kind of felt like where the the Leafs were pretty much in control for the entire game. Um, do you agree with that, or do you think that um, Ottawa played better than what the score showed? Oh, no, I agree for sure. Um, Mrazek had a really good first period that kept, uh, you know, Ottawa off the board, so credit to him there. Um, to comment on your thing about Hosang, I like Josh's talent. Um, he's someone that I've followed his career uh, since he was drafted, uh, going to the Islanders. Um, the controversy with his number in 66. Uh, so, you know... Josh has always had that elite ability, but it's just for some reason never broke through in the National Hockey League. Um, I think this game was good from him. Uh, the three points is definitely, you know, an eye-opener just looking at the box score. Uh, but if you watch this game, you can tell that Hosang did have an impact on this, especially uh, when the Leafs won the power play. So, um, obviously, I, I hope that Hosang finds a spot in this organization. I think if I was to place a bet right now... Um, this is actually going to go back to a little bit about the Marner thing from the other night. Adam Brooks, in my opinion, is a lock to make this team. I know this is a like a bold thing to say, but if Matthews is not available for opening night, right, the Leafs' center position has an open spot. So Hosang, unfortunately, is not a center. If Hosang was a center, I think he's a lock for making this team over Brooks. But Brooks was also centering that Marner and Richie line, meaning that if Matthews can't go on opening night, I don't think we're going to see Tavares and Nylander switch up. I think we're going to see Tavares take line one with Nylander and Bunting. And then we're going to see Richie and Marner drop to line two. And I think centering those two is going to be Adam Brooks. And Brooks is a guy that's come up uh, with Kiefer and uh, Kyle, you know, through uh, the Marlies organization. So they, they're definitely comfortable with uh, Brooks. Brooks, in his time in the NHL, has come through in certain moments. You know, he does have a couple goals under his belt. Uh He's definitely not somebody that I'd be like, okay, this guy's got to play over camp because he just uh, doesn't bring the assets or the qualities that David does. But I think Brooks is pretty much a lock to make this team. And I think that is another reason why Marner got so much ice time in the game against Montreal is because if Matthews is not clear for opening night, guess who's going to be playing? And that's Adam Brooks. So I think, you know, building off that last answer that I gave to that last question, Brooks, he's going to make this team. So for Hosang, I think he's... I think he's done enough to show that he's worth getting a contract with the Marlies. You know, I think he's shown that he certainly has the talent and that he wants to be a Leaf. He's made that very clear. He wants to play in this organization. So I hope Josh makes it. He seems like completely dedicated to this, which I love. Uh, The Leafs, like you said, it was kind of like preseason game one. Uh, Ottawa did play a lot of, you know, their NHL lineup too, which was impressive. Um, Only 19 shots again. So 19 save shutout for Morazic. And in the first game, like we mentioned, the similarity, only 14 saves made by Hutchinson. So these are both under 20, which is interesting because the Leafs are known to give up 32 shots, 29 shots. Like, remember the Freddie days? Like, that guy was making, like, 40 saves a night. So that is good to see. I think uh, Kiefer's system kind of wants to play like this. Low shots play more of, like, you know, a balanced hockey game. Uh, so I think these are two of the three games to take away positively, and uh, let's move forward. Absolutely, and I have um, I have a friend who actually really wants Josh Hosang to make the team. So shout out to him if he's listening. And um, you know, for that, I, you kind of went into it a little bit. I mean, I'm going to ask you. Other than Michael Bunting, I'll give you Adam Brooks because you kind of pretty much already mentioned him. Do you have two other guys that from these three games this week that you kind of? highlighted in terms of a good and you know just a good takeaway from who are your two highlights is pretty much what i'm saying other than brooks because i know you mentioned brooks and obviously bunting's the clear-cut number one as of now so who else do you who are you kind of a fan of this week on uh, the first game highlight i no one really was like jaw dropping that i want to talk about and go into depth with but i kind of liked what we saw from uh richie in that you know little montreal uh, ice time he got he uh he wasn't like a player that people are gonna be like oh my god this guy like you know this is gonna be the guy to take us to the next round but he showed what he can do and what i mean by that is he's really good in small areas and getting himself open 
in front of the net. And when you're like on a line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, that's all you really got to do. He's not the guy that wants to, you know, take the puck up and go through and create the whole play. He's more the guy that wants to get himself open, let Matthews and Marner run the show, and he just finds a way to get open for him to put, finish the play and put the puck in front of the net. And, uh, you know, that's how he gets his goals. So that's a highlight to me. Obviously, you know, it wasn't a performance that I'm just going to talk about like Michael Bunting's was. Uh, but I think the right pieces are there with Nick. Um, the second one I'm going to mention isn't really a highlight. I'm going to switch it. It's more of a low light, actually. Um, I'm really frustrated with uh, Nick Robertson. Um, Nick Robertson's had plenty. Them. Yes, Nick Robertson's had plenty of opportunities to get a crack at this team, especially from when he made his playoff uh, debut against Columbus and how he did have success. And, you know, everybody bought into that. They all thought that this guy was going to be the next, you know, Leafs uh, big prospect coming through the system. He was a second-round pick. Uh, from Peterborough, but and all these attempts he's had to make this team, which had a Leafs team for the last couple of years now, has not been dominant on the left side or even in wingers general, like going through the bottom six. And he, for some reason, just can't make the jump. And I'm starting to get frustrated because they are giving him this opportunity. They are giving Nick this opportunity to go out. He's, I think he's played in all preseason games so far. So, yeah, so they're like Kyle is and uh, Sheldon are literally saying, you know, like go go after this opportunity and uh, show us that you deserve to be here. And a pointless night again. I know he's had some plays where, you know, it's looked nice and some shots, but I'm just frustrated. Like this guy from what he showed in the Columbus series to now, it's, it's just, you know, it's not adding up. And, uh, you know, it's getting to the point now where it's like, how long until we're going to have to wait until we declare this, you know, an official disappointment. But I think he's still young. He definitely has a potential. You can see the talents there and all. But there's a lot of players on this team right now that are trying to make this team and that they seem to be making much more of a difference. Um, so, like, you see Hosang. Like, Hosang came here, and he's showing, and he's working. And, you know, right now it is clear that he deserves a spot over Nick. But I'm going to give Nick, uh, you know, a little benefit of the doubt here. He's a little younger, playing with some guys that he's not used to. There's a lot of new faces in that lineup. But Nick's got to, you know, the numbers got to start coming because he passes the eye test. If you watch him in game, you can see that he has good qualities. But the counting stats are not there. And, uh, you know, that's frustrating, especially moving forward to next year with so many open uh, spots available on the wingers. Yeah, if, if he doesn't manage to find his way on this roster, I think it is going to be a disappointment. And that's why a lot of eyes are on him this preseason. It's not just us, and it's well-known pretty much around the organization. So I think we've covered enough for the preseason so far. And um, for those of you who, who don't follow the Instagram account, be sure to do that right now, Battleborn Leafs Pod, uh, on Instagram right now. And it's a brand-new Instagram page for our podcast. And um, if you uh, do follow us two days ago, we did post a, uh, a mailbag for you guys or for all followers to comment questions for us to answer so we have chosen four that we will um, answer that we feel like uh, are the best obviously and um, I guess we'll start with you we'll go back to me and I will introduce the first question so the first question comes from at joseph.angelone and the question was what happens to the big four if there isn't significant success this season oh that is uh that is a huge question that's a good question thank you uh, for asking that. Yeah, thank you, Joseph, wherever you are. Um, so my answer to that is um, right off the bat, um, I think it's Nylander. Now, here's the thing. Nylander what, though? Will he to be traded from the four? Wow. And here's why, okay? Um, if you watched... I know this is like totally not where I should be getting my info from and uh, talking on a podcast about, but if you watch the Amazon Prime series on the Leafs that came out today, Nylander had a lot of you know talk about him. Like Kyle full on said, this guy will frustrate you, but he will also do something that nobody else will do. Uh, that's to me, that's that's a bit of a red flag because then that that tells you that maybe Nylander doesn't have the work ethic. And you could see later on in the episode, when they have the team meeting, Willie is not there. Marner's there, Matthew's there, Morgan Riley, obviously Jake Muzzin, and uh, Jumbo Joe. Jumbo Joe's gone. Uh, but, you know, 
I think Marner is a great player. Marner's one of my favorite players. Uh, so the contract that he's making, I know a lot of people have a lot of questions about it, and they a lot of people, you know, they don't like it at all. But to me, I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams. If Marner does have the season that I expect where he tears it up and has a fantastic season and people uh, talk about him the way they used to after his rookie season, um, then I certainly think teams will be more, you know, interested in taking on that contract. But for Marner to have the season where he had last year where he puts up ridiculous points, um, you know, obviously more primary assists than goals, but then we have another playoff collapse in the first round. I don't think a lot of teams are going to be like, yeah, let me give me that uh, contract right there. I think Nylander, you know, in the 6.9 area, that's a lot more affordable for, te- uh, for teams. I think teams will also like that uh, the style of Nylander's play. You know, um, he can do some silky stuff. Uh, in, other, in other ways, sometimes he could be the best player on the Leafs, and I fully mean that. Nylander has the talent in some certain moments that he can be the best player on this team, including Matthews. So... I think that's more appetizing to teams. I could see, you know, like a West Coast team, maybe a team like San Jose coming in for Marner. If Marner does impress, obviously with the cap crunches on those teams, that'd be difficult. But for Marner's salary, I just don't think that there's a lot of teams right now that'd be willing to give the Leafs a return that is necessary for Kyle to accept or that would make this Leafs team better uh, because, you know, Marner is a quality player. And I think that a lot of people... uh, give him too much, you know, hate for that. But Marner is a fantastic player. Willie Nylander is a fantastic player. So obviously Matthews is not getting touched. Nobody's going to acquire Tavares in his contract with his age and his, you know, his decrease in uh, points and goals last year. So to me, it's between Marner and Nylander. And I think if you ask any GM which one they would probably take right now, I think most of the time it's going to be Nylander only because the cap hit, and uh, Willie Styles, his potential, if his work ethic was there, I truly think this guy could be something special in the NHL, even though he's a fantastic player already. Um, I just don't think the work, uh, work ethic is there with him. But for Mitch, unless Mitch has the season that I think he will, which I'm confident in saying, I think Mitch will have a crazy season. Uh, I think right now, if I was to put money, it'd probably be on Willie Styles. Yeah, I think to state the obvious right off the bat, in terms of Tavares and Matthews, I think they're here for the rest of their contract. I think Tavares pretty much rides it out as well as Austin does. And I think Austin pretty much rides it out until he's a UFA in, a, um, what was it, almost four to five years. So that'll be an interesting uh, topic once that comes up. So those two are pretty much set in stone. I think everyone knows that. But yes, the Marner and Nylander um, conversation gets very tricky. And here's the thing. Um what happens to the big four, you know, it's not what anyone, you know, it's not anything on, it's it's a tough one pretty much to say the least. And for Mitch Marner, we all know you went over the kind of the lackluster performance in the playoffs, which kind of has, you know, tarnished a little bit of his reputation uh, throughout this fan base. And you have the William Nylander thing as well, where kind of in a similar role. Uh, sorry, can I interrupt you for a second? Go ahead. Sorry uh, to cut you off. Um, Nylander's also not on the first power play, which I kind of think tells you something. And this just came to me, so I'm so sorry to cut you off. But Go ahead, say your stuff. What do coaches tell you from, you know, from the start when you start playing is if you want your power play minutes and your, you know, your penalty kill, your extra ice time, you got to earn that, right? That's what they tell you right from when you first start playing. And for, for Nylander to be on the second power play unit with uh, Simmons and Kerfoot and Spezza and Sandine, I think that tells you something. I think that the Leafs, obviously, if you're telling me to answer this question, are you going to trade somebody who runs your power play one, which Marner does on that wing side, or are you going to trade Willie Styles, who's on PP2? So going back to you, but I don't know. That's what I just wanted to add in there before uh, I forgot. So sorry to interrupt you, but like PP2 time for Nylander this year is a question mark for me because that means I know Keith likes to balance out his two units, but you know Nylander's the only one out of those big four that's on PP2, which I think is a huge, huge highlight that's going really under the radar. Yeah, I don't know if I look into it as much as you do. I think it's more of a thing of splitting it up. But yeah, I mean, for Marner and uh, Nylander, that's definitely a tough one. It pretty much comes with the salary kind of um, thing with both of these guys. We know what Mitch Marner's making, $10.9 million. We know what Nylander's making, $6.9 million. So obviously, William Nylander is easier to move. And even if Mitch Marner lights it up this year, like he could very well possibly do so. 
it could still be easier for them to move Nealon, and I think that's pretty much where it comes down to. It comes down to the cap. And um, we, we spoke about this last week that it kind of feels like a last chance thing with this core, and I do think that's accurate. So one of those two are, are going to be gone, to answer your question, uh, Joseph, uh, if the if the uh, the Leafs end up losing in the first round again. The question is, what are those two? Who would it be for me? I'd personally move Marner and keep Nylander. However, I do think Nylander would be easier to move because obviously the, the cap hit, he's definitely playing up to that contract now as we speak. Over the last couple of years, he's definitely made up for it. And Mitch Marner obviously is not worth $10.9 million. So that's the problem that comes with it. And um, for that, I mean, I'd rather Nylander, but I think it's easier to move Nylander, which is why I feel like it, Marner is kind of has a better chance of staying here long term. But... You know, I, I'm not sure that's a question or kind of a bridge that we may have to cross when the time comes. And hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge. Hopefully the Leafs can get over that at playoff hump. And I know I've sound like a broken record over the last five years. But unfortunately, that's all you can do at this point is kind of hope for the best uh, with this core. So, I mean, they, they definitely have a lot to prove. And I think a lot of it does go to Mitch Marner after all kind of the attention that he absorbed throughout the playoffs last year, all the hate that he got, all the backlash from the fans, and rightfully so. He wasn't playing up to par in the playoffs, and um, it was definitely one of the reasons why the Leafs didn't win that series. And he's not the only reason why, of course not, but he was definitely one of the reasons why, and unfortunately that can't happen uh, when the time matters. But that has been a common occurrence with this team over the five over the last five years. So it's a, it's a tough situation to handle for sure, and when your cap is crunched around those four guys, it definitely kind of handcuffs you. So... That's a really good question, Joseph, and we will see what happens with that. We will go to the next question from at Daniel.Gaeta74. He asks, is Jake Muzzin the best defenseman on the Leafs? Uh, that is a good question, actually. I know a lot of people are going to be like, are you crazy for even thinking about that? But uh, for the last couple of years now, Muzz has, you know, he's shown when he's in his time in Toronto that he can play hockey and he can play well. Uh, he is physical. He does sometimes actually have that offensive output, you know. Um, he's also probably better defensively. I think that's pretty easy to say. Better defensively than Morgan is. Would I say he's the best D on the team? No. I'm still leaning towards Morgan. I think Morgan does have the talents to be a superstar defenseman. Like, I think this guy can be a stud. I do have a little bit of red flags, though, because... He's in his contract year, right? Last time we saw Leaf in a contract year uh, having the standards that Morgan does, I don't know if it was as close to Morgan, but he certainly had high standards, was Tyson Berry. And when Tyson Berry came here, he flunked that opportunity. And I just hope that, you know, Morgan, he's a great guy. He's really good at doing, uh, like, his stuff on the ice. But I just hope he doesn't get in his own head a bit here. I hope he doesn't, you know, create too much of a, you know, an asking point like Barry did where he's like, you know, having a meltdown midway through the season. So I think Morgan is the clear cut number one, but I think Muzzin is actually a lot better than he gets respected for uh, to answer that. So I, I hope, I hope Morgan has a great season um, and I hope he stays with this team. I've heard from sources. uh, I don't know how credible they are. That Morgan is actually close to an extension at 7.5. I don't know if that's completely accurate. That's what what I've been told. It's under the table right now, but 7.5 for Morgan. We're turning into insiders here. If you are correct, I believe you were the first one to break the news. So hopefully that is true. I mean... Definitely another guy that is going to be a pending uh, free agent at the end of the year. So I do hope that your source is credible. That is the first I'm hearing of it. So I am hoping that it's true. But interesting for sure for you to bring that up. But I mean, for Jake Muzzin, I mean, here's the thing. Because I look at the position a little bit differently uh, than most people do, I guess, now. I think he is the best defenseman on this team. And um, it also depends for what Daniel.Gaeta74 is asking. And, um, you know, are you asking, that could mean a whole bunch of things. Are you asking defensive defensemen, offensive, complete overall? There's a lot to, it. I mean, it's a more complicated question than what he was making it sound. But if I'm going to assume that he's, a, you know, kind of leaning towards more of the defensive side, uh, you got to go with Jake Muzzin 100%. I think Morgan Riley still has flaws in the defensive zone, and it's something that's quite obvious, unfortunately. However, the offense is definitely there. 
But he does have his moments, and I think Jake Muzzin, ever since coming over here, has been one of the best additions pretty much throughout this, or Kyle Dubas's tenure here, uh, what he's made. I mean, for in terms of trading a first-round pick, it's somebody who uh, has pretty much panned out the best out of all those moves. I think he's very valuable, valuable to the team, and I think he, he fit in here right away. And for that reason, I'm going with Jake Muzzin. I know the points leaned more towards Riley last year, but I don't believe it was as large of a margin as people thought. You know, Jake Muzzin is more defensive. He he hits a lot more. And uh, Morgan Riley's a lot more riskier. So that's for me. And my personal opinion of how I view defensemen, I'm more of a fan of Jake Muzzin uh, than Morgan Riley. But obviously, both are really good. And obviously, you want Morgan Riley to be here uh, long term. But it doesn't sound like he's going to be any open to any hometown discount. So that's going to be a, a conversation that we have as well next year. But... We'll stick to this year before we get to that point. And then we will move to the third question. And the third question comes from at Alex Imperio underscore. And uh, Alex Imperio underscore asks, are the Leafs going to win a playoff round this year? I'm going to let you answer this one first because uh, I'm going to go into depth with this one. So fire away. Uh, as a traditionalist who has been experiencing this for the past five years, I am going to say they are not going to win a playoff round this year. I think it's going to be a similar outcome Unfortunately, for those listening, that's probably not the thing you want to hear. But, I mean, I understand the optimism, and the optimism remains every single year for this team. Of course it does. But I am just, and along pretty much with every Leaf fan out there, I am used to getting hurt every year in the month of April. Besides the bubble where they got hurt in August, it was the same situation. It wasn't even round one. It was a qualifying round. So I am used to getting hurt year after year where at this point, it doesn't surprise me when they do lose. I mean, we, we went over it last week where we talked about the bubble. We talked about the realigned division, how the opportunities kind of flied ahead. The, uh, they lied ahead of them. The Game 7 third-period meltdowns. I'm at a point where I will believe it when I see it. I am not saying they won't win a round. I am just saying if I had to choose right now, and I hope I'm wrong. Of course I hope I'm wrong. They will not. I mean, I just feel like the alignment to... To kind of back it up a little bit, and I'm just going to pretty much go based off of history, the alignment with the Atlantic Division, those top three teams, we went over it all last week, listen to it if you haven't already, and come back to this point, but it's just the pathway to the Stanley Cup Finals, or even throughout the Stanley Cup Playoffs, is a lot more challenging under the regular alignment, and the Leafs aren't even guaranteed to be a top three Atlantic team if they do get in. It's very quite possible they get in as a wild card team, so there's a lot of situations and a lot of factors that also kind of lean into why I believe this way, but I do hope I'm wrong once again before I throw it over to you, Josh. It's just for me, I can't commit to it after seeing it for five years. And uh, for Leaf fans, even before that, it's hard for them to do the same thing. So I will believe it when I see it, but unfortunately, I do not think so. And I do hope I'm wrong by the time April comes around. Okay, Leaf faithful. My turn. Honestly, this is definitely, you know, a, a, a risky take here. But I'm going to tell you all listening, if you don the blue and white and you wear that jersey around this city, buy into this team right now. Oh I want you to buy in. There is something special I feel with this team. I think Kyle has got this puzzle right up front with the forwards. I think Richie Matthews Marner, line one, that's going to be a solid... Uh, one, I think Bunting, Tavares, and Nylander, that's another solid one. And quickly, just to stop you quickly, by P, like just pretty much figuring out all the forwards, you mean kind of the supporting cast around this big four is what you mean? Kyle's job is actually a lot harder than you know what the casual fan thinks. The contracts that he's given out, they're huge. So when you have guys like Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Matthews taking up your cap, it is extremely hard to find low-value to build your squad around with quality talent. Um, Richie, Bunting, Mikheyev, and Simmons is the left side uh, right now for opening night. I'm telling you, if Ilya Mikheyev sorts out this slump that he's been in, I can't even know if, I don't even know if we call it a slump, but it's been a year now where this guy can't score. Um, he leads the NHL in opportunities. Okay? He leads... But he can't score. Like, he leads the NHL, but zero to show for it. Like, if Mikheyev, well, obviously you can't even hire, like, a shooting tutor. Like, I don't even know what you do with that, honestly. But uh, once Mikheyev starts capitalizing on these chances, this team is going to take another level. I think Simmons, Camp, and Spetsalign 
I think that line has at least been missing for a, like a long time now. And the last time we saw a, a line kind of built like that was when Mike Babcock was still the uh, Maple Leafs head coach and they went out and acquired Thomas Placanic. Remember that trade? So he used that Placanic line in a role kind of like what I think Sheldon wants to use with this camp line. And obviously camp is a better player today than Placanic was at that moment when they acquired him. So I think if you put camp against guys like um, the Bergeron line and, um, you know, the Stamkos and Point and the Kucherov lines, depending how they uh, load those up, I think Camp is a comfortable player to play against that. So I think they have the advantage there now. Um, I think it just it's just the decor to me is what I need to see before I can completely put money on this team. Uh, I'm expecting Riley to step up in his contract year. TJ Brody's one that I want to see bounce back because I, I think he had a an okay season. You know, nothing spectacular, but nothing, you know, awful. Um, I think Brody has it in him to be that first uh, pairing, you know, right-hand side, even though he shoots left. But I have a lot of faith going into the season about this team because I think this puzzle, if Dermott can get his game right on the right side, then this team to me is going to do something special. And with the goalies they have, Campbell seeing how much he cares about this team, Morazic being more, more than a capable backup. Like that guy at any day can take the starting job from Campbell and play 50 games if he's healthy and put up good numbers. But I know it's tough, you know, to get Lee fans to buy in again. But I'm telling you right now, you know, when we look at this podcast in, you know, eight, 10 months from now, I think this Leafs team is going to do something great. And you heard it here first. I think this Leafs team finally breaks the hump. I think they get through the first round. And I think once this team gets through the first round, good luck stopping them. Good luck stopping this team when they get by the first round because they are going to feel all that pressure right off their shoulders. And when you have guys out there that are just playing the game without getting in their own heads at the caliber that Mitch is, that Austin is, that Willie Styles is, and John Johnny Hockey right behind him, JT, Johnny Toronto, I think this team can do something special. All right? I'm telling you right now, this team can do something special. And I will be disappointed yet again if they fail, like many of the Leaf faithful. But I'm telling you to buy in. Buy in now, Leaf fans. This is it. Buy in now. Don't come around in uh, June and uh, when the playoffs are underway and you're saying you've believed in this team because, you know, this team right now, the stock is low and buy as much as possible because this team is going to do something great. I said it before, and I'll say it again before we move on. I will believe it when I see it. The potential's there. The talent's there. No one's questioning any of that. It's the results, time in and time again, of where, unfortunately, they just can't get it right in the playoffs. And um, that's pretty much where you lie on that. And uh, we will get to the next question. And uh, just a quick shout-out here before I get to the question to at Tark.Solomon7, who has been who was generous enough to tell us that he's going to be going to the Le- uh, the Leaf game on October 18th against the Rangers. So um, have fun at the game, Tarek, and uh, welcome back to Scotiabank Arena. Uh, we'll go to the next question, which comes from Matt underscore P-Land. And now before I ask you this, we kind of went over this last week, so I'm going to shorten and I'm going to alter the question, um, and it's going to be kind of a quick answer for you because we talked about the tandem last week. We talked about how we, well, especially you, that you don't know yet on how successful this is going to play out. But I think when the playoffs come, or closer to that time, there is going to be um, kind of a window or a time where they do decide on to go with the clear-cut number one. I think there there will be a time where they decide that. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But just based on what we have saw or what we've seen in the past, you go with the hotter goaltender near the playoffs, and I think that's something that you do. And this is especially with how this is lined up between two guys that can split throughout the year. There's not a clear-cut number one, so you can go with any of these two guys. So to kind of alter the question, because we spoke about half of it last week, the last part of this question is what I will ask you. And the question is, out of those two guys in the goalie tandem, who comes out on top between those two? And it's a tough question. It really is. Yeah. Uh, um, This was Jack Campbell's team last playoffs. So... He's won the coaches over. Kyle said it himself. He earned that position. Uh, he took the net respectfully, respectfully right from Freddie's hands uh, when Freddie was out with an injury. 
So right now, I truly believe on opening night in between the pipes, unless Mrazic goes on a tear in these final three preseason games, if he plays and Jack Campbell just, you know, flunks it, I truly think that Campbell's going to start opening night against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the Leafs do have a back-to-back, so I'm sure we'll see Mrazic or the other one, whoever doesn't play, vice versa, in that game against the Senators at Canadian Tire Center. But right now, going into the season, I believe it is Jack Campbell's net. Here's the thing, though. Mrazic's contract is not a backup goalie contract. That is not a backup goalie contract. Three years, Three years yeah. Like, they gave him the term and the money. So, And the modified no-trade list. Yes. So, I I do expect Mrazic to take starts away from Campbell. I think it's going to be a completely... Because both these goalies have never really shown that they can be a, like, you know, a proven starter over an 82-game season. They've had their stretch runs, and they've been really good at it. Like we saw Campbell's last year with 11 straight wins to start a season. I think that, you know, when we get to the grind, this is actually going to benefit the Leafs a lot, having two really good caliber goalies. But I think going into the playoffs, unless Jack Campbell really flunks this season, I think this is his net. But Mrazic, do not sleep on Mrazic. If Mrazic is... I'm not going to go insane here and say Vesna numbers, but if Mrazic has a productive season... Do not be surprised if Mrazic gets game one of the playoffs, even if Campbell started game one of the season. That is a hot take, and uh, I'm glad you said it on this podcast once again. And here's the thing with me is why I can't give a clear-cut answer. And it goes back to what you said, and or just because of the uncertainty here. But I think a lot of it for me will depend on the health. I think, you know, both guys have proven time and time again that, you know, they they have a hard time staying healthy, and they really do. And it has nothing to do with how good they are because they both are tremendous goaltenders. And we saw how good Jack Campbell's been when healthy. And um, he's he definitely carried the way when Freddie Anderson went down. And he was definitely one of the main reasons why the Leafs kind of stood above their head entering the playoffs. And he definitely had a decent playoff round as well. It definitely wasn't his fault why they lost that series. So I think a lot of it's going to depend on the timing of an injury. And if the and the time comes if one of those guys is injured and the other guy kind of plays well throughout the guy's or throughout the guy's um, absence when he's injured, when healthy you got to go with the hotter hand and that's pretty much what we saw with Jack Campbell and Freddie Anderson this year is exactly what I'm saying might happen in April. Freddie Anderson went down, Jack Campbell kind of filled in the net when he was gone and played well, and they they stuck with Jack Campbell and I think that could be a similar outcome. And I'm just pretty much based going off the logic of a possible injury. And, um, and then there's also, and if healthy too, though, if, if I'm assuming both are healthy this year, I do think it's Jack Campbell's net. So I definitely agree with you on that one, 100%. So we've answered all your questions and uh, we've gone through these four. And uh, we have a couple more things to bring up before uh, we wrap things up. Sheldon Keefe signs his two-year extension. Your quick thoughts on that. Um, okay, this is an interesting question, actually. I think we, and we had this uh, conversation over the summer about if Dubas would be fired after this season if they do flunk in the first round or don't even make the playoffs. And I told you that I don't think it, they do fire him. I think they bring in, you know, a veteran to, uh, like, from the business aspect, somebody like a Jim Rutherford uh, to give him a role in the organization to help with Kyle and Shanahan and uh, Pridham. Um, so giving Keith this extension, in my opinion, you can, you can actually make a fair argument that, why the hell did the Leafs actually do this? Because he has shown that, he, like, why would you do this? He Has he earned it? No. Uh, they did the same thing that they've been doing, exiting in first rounds after having good regular seasons. But I think they did this because this pretty much confirms what I told you. I think that Sheldon is here to coach this team next year. I think that Kyle's here to manage this team next season. Uh, Kyle's brought this guy everywhere with him, from the Sioux to the Marlies to – Toronto we knew Sheldon being the coach of the Leafs was inevitable like we knew that if you follow Dubas's career he brings this guy over with him this is Dubas's guy and I feel like this is more of a Dubas timeline I feel like Dubas has more of a two-year kind of timeline after the season before they start to let go because he is you know that young bright mind uh, that a lot of teams wish they did have so obviously he'd be picked up right away um but I think that this pretty much guarantees that we are going to see the management at least be returning for next season because I don't think they just give an extension to Keefe, uh, even though his contract's up at the end of the year just for fun. There's definitely something behind it. And I know coaches a lot of the time are not comfortable coaching under a one-year contract or one-year remaining. So 
I think they definitely had the talk there, and I have a lot of faith in Sheldon. I think he's a good coach. I think he fits Dubas' system. There isn't a guy I'd probably want to co- want to coach a Kyle Dubas hockey team since they've had so much success together. Um, but I just hope that Keith can find some kind of mix and get to these players because it's time for the season. It's time for this team to turn it up a notch to be something else and to not be a Leafs team that we've seen in the past. Because right now, out of all 32 teams in the National Hockey League, this is the joke of the NHL. And it hurts to say, and I know a lot of Leafs Nation is going to agree with this, a lot of fire is on us every April or May. I know May is lately because of COVID, but when this team gets eliminated in the first round, we are the joke. And we are still the joke for another full season because we got, well, we got eliminated again in the first round, but this time blowing a 3-1 lead to our rivals, the Montreal Canadiens, who I hate so much. But we're the joke of the league right now, and we got to turn it around big time. And I think this Leafs team is going to do something great this year. Once again, I sure hope so. I mean, I really don't know. For Sheldon Keefe, here's the thing. At first, I wasn't a fan of it. However, I think I've warmed up to it a little bit just because of the fact it's not a five-year extension. It's a short-term extension. And um, it gives him, I guess, another kind of couple years, a little bit more of this window here to kind of prove something. Because as far as I'm concerned, he has done nothing uh, in terms of accomplishments on this team since being promoted as a head coach. And I think that's safe to say. I know every coach is committed and everyone wants to win. But the fact of the matter is they didn't get out of the bubble and they didn't get out of the first round last year. However, he is under Kyle Dubas's, um pretty much uh, regime. And we all, we, you just mentioned it as well. He's pretty much here as long as Dubas is here. And that's why maybe this two-year extension also gives Kyle Dubas another couple of years. I know a lot of people are wondering if this could be it for him as well if things don't work out this year. But he's definitely, for me, remains the number one guy in terms of the most pressure on him. I think Sheldon Keefe's up there. But, of course, you know some of the guys like the core players as well are definitely up there in pressure. But I think it all starts with Kyle Dubas. So we will see what happens with that. And, um, you know, a short two-year extension is something that I can accept. Um, it's Like I mentioned, it's not a five-year thing where you could get a little bit more uh, picky at it and kind of disagree with it a little bit more. So I'm sure there are some that maybe disagree, but I think most are fine for are fine with what they saw. So that's wrapped up. Uh, I have one more thing to ask you before we do wrap this up. And you mentioned it a few times throughout to kind of back up some of your points. And that's the Amazon series, the all or nothing the Amazon series with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it's giving us a lot of in-depth kind of, of what's been going on behind the scenes. Uh, last season, five episodes. I currently... I'm about halfway through. Josh, I know you watched all of them today. I just wanted to ask you your highlight, your top highlight of the show uh, from today, the entire series. Uh, the top highlight is actually going to be for... There's going to be two. Uh, number one was seeing the Nylander stuff. Um, it kind of showed, if you watched all episodes, that Nylander's work ethic is questionable. Kyle went on to say it himself in a segment there. Um, he said Willie can do stuff that like nobody else can, but other times he'll frustrate the hell out of you. Something sort of like that, which I think we all can relate to. We all know somebody like that. Um, so that's why I'm kind of like, you know, a little bit nervous with where Nylander stands in this organization. I really wish that he, you know, had a perfect work ethic because I really think he could be a superstar in the National Hockey League. His talent's there, his shooting's there, his offensive mind is there. And I really think that, you know, eventually we're going to see him break out, really, when he starts to, you know, mature a bit more as he ages. Um, But my other highlight is the love that Jack Campbell has for this team. Jack Campbell... Um, they did like a close-up after they showed the Leafs getting eliminated in Game 7. I can't believe I watched that, you know, being reminded of that game. But uh, it was awful. But to see Campbell actually, you know, really feel that pain. And he said this, which is kind of a quote that I remember. I don't know if it's exactly perfect, but he said, I gave up the worst goal of my career in Game 7. And he was bursting in tears. To me, that shows the amount of love and effort he puts into this team. You can tell he wants to achieve great things with this team. He's been uh, on uh, every Leafs media thing right now talking about how he expects this team to be different, how much he's seen personal improvement. Uh, He's dropped Marner's name 
uh, many times about how, you know, he's really developed a shot and how he's a bit, you know, um, matured in his size. So I'm really excited to see how Marner does this year. But just seeing how much Campbell really cared in Game 7. Obviously, Matthews, they showed him. He was upset. Um, they showed Marner, who was also upset. There's a picture that got uh, leaked online that went viral of them in the change room being the last two there. Obviously, you can tell that did not sit well with them over the summer. I feel like they are going to tear up the league this year. I feel like that's going to you know be a burden on them, and they're going to use that night to night. Um, but I also look at you know the departures from this team from last year. You know Zach Bogosian and Jumbo Joe and Felino. Those guys, if you watch the series, they had a lot of screen time, and you know they were really good with the core. You know easing things off, being good in their certain roles in the change room, uh, especially Jumbo being like you know a, a complete class with uh, class act with everybody, including Jimmy VC, who's only here for a limited time. And a player like VC who didn't have really, you know, a big role coming into the season, he was still having fun with them. Um, so, you know, Jumbo was a locker room guy. Obviously, the on-ice product wasn't something I want to see in the lineup to make a deep run. But off the ice, you know, it sucks to lose a player like that in the change room. Nick Felino, I asked myself, what happened? How did he end up in Boston? I really wish I can get those answers. You know, maybe Boston offered him some more money, but... It's, it seemed like he loved this team, and it seemed like his dad loved this team, uh, having Nick here, uh, obviously because he played for the Leafs too. But, you know, he, he told the players, uh, like Matthews and Marner, that this team is something special and that they can really do something. And he goes on to leave to go to their arch nemesis, Boston. Um, so that was interesting. But, you know, there's a lot of players on this team that I think are going to have that motivation from that game to compete this year going into the playoffs. And I guarantee you nobody wants to relive that moment, and especially Jack Campbell. So if Jack Campbell's in the playoffs, I know that Jack is going to perform. Lots of little things that I had that took away from, and you pretty much mentioned some of them, or I guess half of them, so I'm not going to repeat them. But yeah, definitely good moments. I thought Sheldon Keefe was definitely a highlight just to see how you know, intense he really is and all the F-bombs that he drops. I just found that entertaining. I I really liked how they, and obviously I'm kind of biased because I've only watched uh, two and a half so far. You know, there's they have a really good uh, segment a few times with Jimmy VC, his struggles, the conversations that Sheldon Keefe had with him about, you know, how his play's been, quote, vanilla, and he's been doing nothing, and he was expecting more out of him. And then, of course, the day where um, Kyle Dubas had the conversation that he was being pay- placed on waivers, and the conversation also when they found out that Vancouver was going to claim him off waivers and uh, our waivers and uh, Brandon Shanahan's reaction to that. So I found that really cool just because it's all about the front office management behind the scenes. Knowing me, I'm also probably going to like the Nick Foligno process and how they kind of negotiated with um, uh, Columbus to get him from there. So that's something that I'm probably looking forward to as well. But, you know, for the most part, it is a very interesting series. They did a really good job. You would have liked it to go farther because of their, you know, their playoffs situation. You would definitely would have liked to see more out of it. But, yeah, lots of things. And it just it definitely does show how important uh, Joe Thornton was to this team last year as much as he was injured a few times and uh, he ended up leaving this offseason to go to the Florida Panthers. So we will wrap things up there. Quickly before we do, though, in fact, the Leafs have three more preseason games to go. They have a game this coming Monday in Ottawa, and, of course, they have a back-to-back as they host the Montreal Canadiens the next day. And then their last game of the preseason comes next Saturday as they host the Ottawa Senators. And after that, you have Thanksgiving weekend, and all of a sudden, Opening night starts on Wednesday, October 13th, as the Leafs um, host the Habs again in Toronto. So, Josh, you've had a lot of hot takes that this episode. I hope to see more next week when we wrap up the preseason. We kind of finally focus full gear on the regular season. Until then, uh, you can follow us on Battleborn Leafs Podcast on Instagram. I believe it's Battleborn Leafs Pod to be exact. That is where you can find all of our social media content from there. You can also follow our TikTok. And uh, we just have lots of things going on uh, throughout there throughout there for the next few weeks. Uh, TikTok is Battleborn Leafs Pod again. And, of course, we are also on Twitter at Battleborn Leafs. So there's our social media. That's where you can find us. And um, until then, we will catch you guys next time and enjoy your week. Thank you.